Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. We're going to do a fair amount of reading today because uh, it's really good. <laughs> and I'm not going to be reading from a, bo- um, a book, but I'm going to be reading from the Bible. So, which I guess is a book, but we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at a couple of chapters in Hebrews. And earlier this week, the Lord, I was praying and I was saying, Father, what, what do we need to communicate? What is, what is, uh, what's on your heart? And the only thing that I got was read Hebrews 11 and 12. And, and, and I was like, you want me just to read Hebrews 11 and 12, and like, that's easy. I can just stand up here. He goes, goes, no. We have a really, the Lord and I have a really good conversation together. So he says, no, idiot, just read it first. And I was like, okay, so you're just like, well, the Lord would never call you an idiot. I'm like, well, that's my relationship. That's not yours. So if you're offended that he would call me me an idiot, well, you've probably called me worse. So, um, So, anyway, I'm going to take my glasses off. But I, what I wanted, I, I was like, as I was reading through Hebrews 11 and 12, I thought, there's just, there's so much in this. There's so much in Hebrews 11 and 12. Um, so I'm going to read, and I'm going to highlight a few things as we go through it, and I believe the Lord just wants to release some key, um, some key understanding, some key points. So I don't have three points. I don't have six points. I don't know how many points. We're not, I'm not taking notes. Um, but I do know that there's, there is some stuff in here the Lord wants to release to House of Hope. Wow, where's that coming from? So, all right. Let me just start with this. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So often um, we go through our experience, we go through our process, and we come up against a situation that almost seems like it hits us, it blindsides us, and we lose hope. I want to say that when we lose hope in a situation, it's because we've forgotten what was coming. Does that make sense? Faith allows us to see things in the future. Faith allows us to, to have a vision for what is coming. Hope gives us the emotion to get there. So you can actually say that um, hope, or sorry, faith sees hope feels. If we lose hope, then all of a sudden our, our vision gets clouded for what is coming. So, I don't know, I need, I need to see you. There we go. So I'm going to perch my glasses so I can look down and then I can look out. This is what it's like to get old. Older. I know I'm not that old. Anyway, does that make sense? So faith sees, hope feels. 
And so the writer, the writer of Hebrews says, now faith brings our hopes into reality. Faith brings our hopes, the things that we long for, into reality. So we have to have vision, forward vision, to see what it is, and then we hope for it. And then as we walk through the process, it becomes reality. And in other versions, it says faith is the things, what? Some of your, the evidence of, thi- the evidence of things hoped for. Not seen, yeah. Sure, with the King, oh, King James is so bad. Oh my gosh, don't even start with me on that. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It's the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see what the universe was created and beautifully ordained by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. And God declared him righteous because of his offering of faith by his faith. Sorry, I lost my place. By his offering of faith. By his faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he is long dead. And then the writer goes on and starts to list specific people and their acts of faith. Enoch. um, So he talked about Cain and Abel. Enoch. um, Faith lifted Enoch from this life and he was taken up to heaven. He was never to experience death. Without faith, living within us would be impossible to please God. So how do we please God? Well, with faith. Well, how do we have faith? We have hope. Hope and faith go together. And so it's very, very easy to please God is if we have a forward vision of where we need to be, where God has called us to be. We receive prophetic words even. We receive words that that encourage us, that give us hope. And we go, oh, I really wish I knew why that is. It's not Gavin's problem. I just like, every week it's different. We even did a sound check, right, Gav? It's crazy. Then he talks about Noah, and Noah's heart was to receive revelations and the warnings that God, from God about what was coming. Even things, uh, this is verse 7, even things that had never, he had never seen. They, they hadn't, at that point in the history of the world, rain was, was, uh, was a weird thing. They didn't know what rain was. What do you mean rain's coming? What do you mean God's going to destroy the earth with, with, with a flood? What's a flood? And, and, but, but Noah had this faith. He, God showed him something. And he remained hopeful, and he walked it out. God built an ark, um, so he, uh, and built an ark that would save him and his family. But by his faith, the world was condemned. But Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes from believing. And this is the interesting part in this chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's just there's a lot there. But I'm just going to highlight he the the author goes in and he starts to. Um, break down specifics in people's life in 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 Isaac, um, sorry in Abraham he talks about Abraham and then he talks about Sarah and he highlights the amazing people that they were and if you start to think about what the amazing people that these people were you're thinking well they were they were screwed like the, like Sarah you know just read this 
Um, in verse 10, it says, Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and was well past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise, and she tapped into his faithfulness. The author is forgetting the fact that she lied, that she, she laughed when they received the word, remember? In, in Genesis, it was like they received the word that you're going to have a son, and she laughed. And the angel's like, well, why are you laughing? Oh, I didn't laugh. So she's lying, right? But the author isn't, the author isn't highlighting her failures. He's highlighting the fact that she was faithful. And, faith, and how do you please God? You just said it. You please God by having faith. And so it's accorded to her and Abraham and all of the heroes. And it says in verse 13, these heroes all died clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised them. But they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promises and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belong to another realm. And so we have this same concept here in the new covenant. We hang on to the fact that we are not part of this realm, but we have access to the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, and yet we still live firmly rooted in this realm. Does that make sense? And so we, we are going to have times in our lives that we do things that people, other people would say, oh, that's wrong. You're wrong. And, you're, and then all of a sudden, the things that we are doing, we get categorized as that's who we are. And one of the things that I really, um, I really believe that we need to be aware of is that when we are in the midst of something, does, that does not make us, that does not give us our identity in that area. So I could struggle with lying. Does that make me a liar? No, it means I am actually just struggling with telling the truth. I remember as a kid lying to my mom and getting caught for it. And um, it was, it was, uh, I was probably nine or 10 years old, and I was doing something stupid, as I did a lot. And um, uh, I was just caught, right out, bold-faced lie. And somebody called me on it. It wasn't even my mom. You know, it was... I don't know if I have time to tell a story. I think I do. I was about, yeah, 9 or 10, and I was standing on the corner of our lot. We had a house with a corner lot, so there was a main main street, and the bus the bus stop was here and here, so the big Edmonton buses were coming by, and I was standing watering a tree or something or playing with, I don't know what I was doing, and I thought, hey, it'd be kind of fun to spray the cars as they go by. And so a big old bus comes by, and I was like, slam, and then right in the front window, and he hits his brakes, and he comes out, and he goes, what are you doing? Just as my mom pulled in the driveway, and she comes over, and she's in my mind, she's calm. She probably was not. But um, she's like, what's going on? And Because this bus driver is, is basically yelling at me. And he says to mom, he was doing this. And he did. He was spraying the cars. I watched him. And, and I was like, no, I didn't. 
I mean, I got the hose right in my hand, right? And it's like, no, he didn't. And and uh, he goes, I'm like, Mom, I, I didn't do what he's telling me. And he's looking at me, he goes, he says, I don't know what's worse, you doing what you were doing and how dangerous that was, or you lying to your mother face on, something like that. And I was like, in my heart, something just got me. And it was, it was the conviction. It was the discipline of the Lord. I don't remember being punished for that, but I do remember having a conversation with my mom and saying sorry for lying. And I never did that again. Well, spray the buses. <laughs> Can't say that I never lied to my mom again, but... But see, the beauty of what we're walking into as, as believers, the beauty of being a believer in the new covenant is the fact that we are without punishment now. And I think I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But in the old covenant, and, and the author actually of Hebrews goes to say, he, he lays out what, what was going on. But first of all, he lays out even more of the stories of Joseph, of Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, wanting to bless his sons, failures, things that went on, but they were all done as part of their process. Jacob even, you know, Jacob, um, sorry, Joseph, had had the foresight and the, and a prophetic insight in faith that one day there would be a mass exodus from Israel. And he, it says, it says, faith inspired Joseph and he opened up his eyes to see the future. For as he was dying, he prophesied about the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. And then he gave instructions that his bones would be taken from Egypt with them. See, these things that God gives us, forward vision, he gives us the ability to walk out what he's called us to do. Joseph, it was 400 years later that that exodus happened. And yet Joseph saw it, he wrote it down, and said, whatever you do, when you leave, take me with you. And they're like, whatever. But it was something that God instilled in him, and he gives us. Moses was the same way. God called Moses' parents. They saw something in Moses. They, they, they saved him. They, they protected him from, from the killing, and then he went to live with the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughters. And he may, have been ra- he may have been raised in the Pharaoh's heart, but he maintained house. Sorry, he, he may have been raised in Pharaoh's house, but he maintained the heart of, the, of Israel. And he was able to be raised in a, in a kingdom place where he had authority and he, understand, he understood and was taught how to manage and how to war and how to do all these things. And then God removed him from that and said, this is what I need you to do. And even Moses said, I can't do this. I can't do what you've called me to do. I can't do. And basically, all, thing, all when it's said and done, God basically said, you can do it. I'll give you some help, but you're going to do it. Because this is what you were created to be. 
How many times have we, as, as, as people, asked the question, I don't know what I'm supposed to do? That's not a question. That's a statement. What am I supposed to do? That's a question. Why am I on this earth? Why am I here? What am I... What? And then when we can get an understanding of what God has called us to do, we move forward with that. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Most of the time, it's hard. Most of the time, it's difficult. But vision will give our pain a purpose. When we have, like, you know, young people starting out today and they have this idea in their heart what they want to do, they go and do it. But a lot of them break down the first time that there's a little bit of trouble. And they go, oh, I, guess, I guess I'm just not supposed to do that. And I, I can't, I, I shouldn't even say it's this generation because my generation did it too. But of course, I have better filters on and we didn't do it as bad. But do you know what I mean? When we have a vision for what God has called us to do, then we go, that's where I'm going. And just like in the prophetic word for Isaiah today, when Christy says, don't be faint of heart or don't be a retard. Whatever she said. (laughs) But don't be, you know, be steadfast. And that's what we're called to do as, as, as a house. We are called to be steadfast, to do the things that God called us to do, and we can see prophetically where we're going, and then we maintain our hope because the hope gives us the emotion and it gives us the, I'm, gonna, I'm longing for that, but we still got to do something to get there. So I'm going to jump into, into chapter 12. And so it's a classic verse of we have this great cloud of witnesses around us. So we have these heroes of the faith. We have these men and these women who have been, who have been, lay, had been laid out in, um, in chapter 11. You know, there's Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, the prophets, the author says. They've all done their time. And they've all been counted as men and women of faith. And now, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and sin we so easily fall into. Now, I want to just kind of unpack this a little bit. We must let go of every wound that has pierced us. It's almost like as we're going through life, we are going to be attacked or we are going to allow ourselves to be open for attack because of the decisions that we have made. I said earlier that we live in a covenant of non-punishment. Someone said that um, when we do things and it causes us pain, it should. If we're being stupid, pain should hurt. Or stupid should hurt. (laughs) Did that land too hard or was that? (laughs) We do think there's consequences to our actions. There's consequences. And so we walk through life and, and, you know, like for me, my world is, is, is a church world. It's, it's who I minister to. And I've been in that world for a long time and I have received a lot of pain. 
because of that. Some of it was self-inflicted. Some of it was not inflicted on, like it was inflicted on me. But I had to choose to remove the arrow tips and get healed up in order for me to actually be standing here in front of you and not be an insurance salesman somewhere in another city. It's just, but that's what God has called us to do. In this world, we're going to have trouble. And so we're going to get, we're going to get arrows. And the author here in the Greek, it, it, it's translated as you need to not walk around with the weight of the arrow tips still in you. Like a wow. It's like, so, you know, we have these pictures of, of, of warriors and they're, you know, we, I love the gladiator shows, movies, and, and, the, and the, the, you know, the, the fightings, you know, and they walk out, one guy walks out and he's got arrows sticking out of him like this. And he's walking around and it's like, and he's, he's, he's a man, he snaps the arrow and he's walking, he's still got these things sticking out. And you never see what he does with it, but you almost think that they're still in him. And those arrows, those arrow tips were heavy. And they would cause a massive amount of damage. And so anytime you would move, that arrow tip would move with it. It would cut deeper into the flesh. And so what the author is saying is like, why are you walking around with the weight of these arrows in you? You need to get them out. How do you get them out? You willingly pull them out and receive healing. It says the implication is carrying an arrow up inside, arrow tip inside, a wound that weighs us down and keeps us from running the race that we have been called to do with freedom. And we all know we have to actually ask. We we know people. Everybody knows someone who's like, oh yeah, they were wounded. But we fail to actually look at ourselves and go, okay, what area of my heart is, was I wounded? What area of my life have I been wounded because, because of either something someone said or something that was done to me or an attitude? I've been around the block enough times to know that I've inflicted some wounds and I've had wounds inflicted on me. And when the Lord reveals what those wounds are that I have inflicted, I, need, I go to that person and go, well, you know what? I'm sorry. Or... I've had people come to me like, I didn't mean that, you know. And had something happen just recently. And um, with my close friends, I can be very sarcastic. And it's fun. It's like the Lord saying, yo, idiot, read that. You know, it's like that kind of, you know, with my close friends and, and I said something to this person, and, and, and I left, and I was like, that wasn't cool. I went to this person, and I said, you know, I said this. Uh, did that hurt? Ah, no, 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 it's fine. And by their very actions, they're like, I'm like, no, that, that stuck. You know my heart. I said, I'd never do anything to hurt you. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, great, thanks. So there was that tip that was pulled out, but I had to pull it. I had to make sure they were okay. It's because we have to be aware of what we say and how we conduct ourselves with people 
I could say something to Clayton and it wouldn't bother him, but I could say something to Dave, same thing, and it may bother Dave. It doesn't, it doesn't, it works until, like, you just got to be sensitive, right? Not everybody handles the same words the same way. So we have to be aware of the wounds that are in us in order for us to run the race that God has called us. And we also have to be aware of of forgiveness and saying, okay, Lord, what is in me? What have I been hurt at? And the Lord starts to reveal the tips. And that's the beauty of a sozo. Like when when we do sozos and stuff, sometimes we don't even realize what tips are inside of us. So I was messed up. When we went to Reading, I was messed up. Jared's death, it messed me up. And, you know, I a friend for over 20 years, gone. Just like that. Well, not really. And that's the stupid part. He wasn't gone just like that. And that's what I was messed up at. Because we prayed and we did all these things. So we're meeting with Denny and Danette, and we're having supper with them. And, hey, you guys, what, what's going on? And Danette's like, oh, I, we're, they're living in Reading now. And, and Danette says, yeah, and I got a job. And blah, blah, she tells me all about her job. And Denny's like, yeah, I'm working too. And I'm like, where are you working? He goes, at the Transformation Center, doing sozos all day long. And I'm like, can you fit me in? <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, no, I'm pretty full. And Danette looks at him, and she says, no, you need to fit him in. <laughs> and I said, no, no, it's okay. I know you're busy. And Deanne probably needs one. And Deanne's like, I don't need one. You need one. And I was like, yeah, I do need one. So we worked it out. And and um, and so we sat down. And if you've never had a sozo, it's it's like it's the Holy Spirit counseling. It's like it's not a counselor counseling. It's you. It's the it's saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you highlighting today? So I sat down there, I trust this man, and I was a little bit nervous of what was going to come out. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, okay, so, so what, what's on your heart? And I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's everything's just kind of raw. He goes, yeah, I understand. He goes, okay, Holy Spirit. He says, repeat after me. He says, I said, okay. He goes, Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, what's on your heart for me today? What's on your heart for me today? And all of a sudden, I just like had all this stuff. And uh, so I went, and he's like, excellent. And so there's about three things that came to mind, and they're none of your business. And, um, and, they were just, and we just walked through them. And really, they had nothing to do with Jared's death, but they were stuff that were you know, there was like, don't get me wrong. We're grieving and we're, we're walking through that. But the Lord used the, 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 the emotion to reveal stuff. And that's really good. So I walked out of there with arrow tips, like probably a lot of arrow tips that I didn't even realize were there that were hindering me and hindering my relationship with the Lord and probably with other people. I was a way, I was way lighter. And, I, and, I, he, and then he says, okay, what, what, um, what's, what, is there any other problems? And I said, my fuse, I said, everything is just right close to the surface. Everything is just like, people are, anyway. Um, and he goes, okay, let's deal with that. And only Deanne can tell, am I better? Or getting better? <laughs> See, progress. Process. 
But did I feel like I was being punished? No. Did I feel like the Lord was disciplining me or correcting me? Yes, because I was off. And see, that's the beauty of the new covenant. And let's, we're going to read this. Verse 2, it says, We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits exalted at the hand at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls. So that you won't be so that so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in the op- in your opposition to sin. And and have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as children? He said, "My child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and the training of the Lord God, or get depressed when he has to correct you." For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. See, I think most of us have grown up in a society that equates discipline and correction with punishment. I know, like, like I said in the story that I told earlier, that I don't remember any punishment for my mom, but I'm sure there was. It just probably was lost somewhere in the annals of my mind and heart. But we've grown up in church situations when we do something, we're, 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 we're punished for that something, and, but it doesn't change our hearts. When punishment happens, it's like, you know, somebody, um, you know, like our kids do something, and so we ground them. You, you know, you, you did something stupid, you're grounded, and they go, fine. And they go into their room, they slam their door, and we as parents go, yep, they're in there for two weeks. That's right. And they come out two weeks later, and they go and they do the same thing again. Because, well, that punishment didn't last, so you're grounded again. Fine. Three weeks later, they're still doing it. And most of us as parents, or have had parents, that were going, You know, what is the definition of insanity, of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? We keep doing the same thing. We keep doing the same thing and keep, you know, hoping that the results will be different. But instead of dealing with our hard attitudes and dealing with what is the core, why? let's let's get together here and let's see what, what is going on. Why are we doing this? Discipline and correction. But we've grown up. We've grown up as, as adults now. And we've grown up. And, and so we, we have a hard time with discipline and correction because we think it's punishment. And the Lord's like, I, I want to love you. I want to discipline you. I want to correct you. Will you do that? Will you receive that as a son? And would you receive that as a daughter? It's not punishment. Because Jesus took the punishment onto himself. He fulfilled the requirements of the law. Did you spill your coffee? 
He, re, he took the, res, he, the requirements of the law and he took the punishment and so that left us open to receive discipline. But we, a lot of us, we still live in Old Covenant and we still have to punish. We still, and we think like, wow. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? How many of us have seen kids who have never been corrected? Oh my God. It is crazy. Seriously, it's messed up. Because they absolutely have no concept of boundaries of, of anything. And yet, do they need a good spank? Maybe. Maybe they just need some... What's the word? Boundaries in their life. Anyway, I could go on. In every relationship, this is in verse 14, in every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly towards holiness. For those who are not holy will, sorry, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other and make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Be careful that no one among you lives in immorality, becoming careless about God's blessing like Esau, who traded away his rights as the firstborn for a simple meal. And we know that later on, when he wanted to inherit his father's blessing, he was turned away, even though he begged for it with bitter tears, it was too late for him to repent. We all have needs. And how we receive those needs is part of our identity. We, Jason Valentin said, I think he said it to us, that how we receive our needs met. Okay, I, don't know. I forgot to write that down. So how we, receive, how we meet, meet the needs in our lives will direct how, we, how successful we are in life. If, I'm not being, if, I'm, if my needs are not being met, my, my needs for emotion. Emotional contact, let's just say. Dan and I have a great relationship, so this is just an example. It's not an example in our life, so I'm just saying. If I have emotional needs that are not being met as a guy, I'm not even talking about sexually, I'm just saying emotional needs, I can either say to Deanne, I'm feeling disconnected, or I can go and form emotional connections with somebody else. Which one is right? I'm feeling disconnected from you as I need, we need to connect. But it's so easy to form emotional bonds with others and you have that need met and all of a sudden you're feeling wanted and you're feeling connected and you're feeling good. And what he's saying here in Hebrews is don't let that happen. Don't let those emotional, like get your needs met, but do them right. Do them right. Anyway, 
I think we're done. I would encourage you to read the last part of Hebrews 12. We're kind of out of time. And you're looking kind of bored. (laughs) Yeah. So I just want to say, like, for us as a house, we need to go forward. And we need to keep checking ourselves out. And I think the highlight of what God wants wants to release to us today is what arrow tips are we being weighted down in? Is it disappointment? Are we dealing with the disappointment? Is, is Jared's death even just weighing so heavy on us that it's like, oh, you need help. You need, to, you need to either pull that out yourself or ask the Father for how to do that. Other disappointments, you know, my business failed or I'm whatever. I have this relationship that is not working. Whatever it is, whatever hurt we've received. Being self-aware. If we're not self-aware and we're not letting those that healing happen, it's hindering our run. It's hindering the way that God has, what God has for us. And one quick thing, it's, um, we've always been taught, like we, as we read this verse in, um, in, in chapter 12, it says we'll be able to run, we will be able to run life's marathon race. In the Greek, the marathon race is actually there's a word, it's a subword in there that talks about life being an obstacle course. We have this picture of we just run the race. And we're just running, yeah. But what they're talking about is an obstacle course, giving us the strength. How can we run an obstacle course and be weighted down with, with hurts and, and, and stuff? How are you going to crawl underneath these chairs and then jump over the wall and, and climb? And, and, you know, it's, it gives us a totally different understanding of what, what God wants for us. Our life is an obstacle course, but he's giving us the power to run it and run it well. The choice is up to us how we run it and what we do with it. So, all right, some thoughts? Everybody good? Okay. <laughs> oh nice that's, that's today right that's awesome no he didn't call and I just want to say he didn't call me an idiot for doing this today he was like just read your bible you idiot <laughs> don't read it word for word anyway but that's awesome that's very good alright let's just pray uh, father Lord, I know that in each one of our hearts, there are arrow tips. In each part of our body, there have been ways we've been wounded. And I just pray as a point of application this morning, Father, that you would reveal, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal one area in our lives that we need to remove an arrow tip just as a way of of showing that I love you so much that I can't stand to see you in so much pain that I want to help you.
So Lord, I just ask that you just show them. And so I want you to picture that pain. I want you to picture that as a physical, as a, as a tip, as something heavy in you. And it might be on your arm, it might be on your thigh, it might be in your heart, it might be in your back. But it's in a spot where you have easy access for it. And just as a prophetic act, just reach out to that area and just pluck it out. Now the Lord is just going to show you, is it something, is this an area you need to forgive somebody for? Or was it something that was just done in ignorance? Or maybe it was something else. The Lord's going to show you what that is. And as, as you feel led, I want you just to release the situation or release the person and just release forgiveness. Okay. Now, as, as you've done that, I'm just going to pray this. Father, I release healing into this area. I ask that you would just pour in a truth to replace the whole. I think some of you have been, some of the arrow tip that you just removed was a lie. It might have been a believable, like a lie that like Steve Backlund says, we're believing a lie. And so I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is the truth? Now, what is the truth that is going to replace this lie? And as he tells you that, just hang on to that. I receive that. So Father, we receive the truth that you have given us. Amen? How are you feeling? Better? Better? Not so good? So, I want to encourage you, every day, ask the Holy Spirit, what, is there an arrow in me that I need to release? release? I think most of us are pretty healthy. Honestly, I really do. But, like, I was surprised by some of the things that were revealed in, during my souls. I was like, really? Holy crap. I wasn't, you know, and, and, and it was just like, and it was just, it was easy to get rid of, right? Oftentimes the first one is the hardest because you, you hate pain, right? Remember as a kid, oh, here, I'm going to go off again. I'm sorry. Remember as a kid, we had loose teeth and, and your kid, as a parent, I was love you loose tooth teeth because you'd be like, they're like, ah, ah, it's so sore because they've got it hanging out and they, and you know, it's hanging out and it's, and they push it back in and it's just, and you're like, I just, just here, live, let me, no, no, it's going to hurt. Well, it's, it's going to hurt even more if you just let it be there. And I remember one time, I think it was Zach, and he had one of his eye teeth, and he's just crying, and he, he's so afraid of the pain. Yeah, well, he's hurt. It hurts. And he's so afraid. And I went, Zach, look over there. And he was like, what? And I just went, <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, that feels really good. Thanks, Dad. Where's my money? So <laughs> it's like the anticipation hurt. You know, we, we, we have more fear about the anticipation of the pain of it coming out than we do actually when it's out, we're free. 
So ask the Lord this week as a little bit of a homework. What is there a narrow tip in me today? Are you revealing something else? And he may, you may even find that as you work your faith and work your life, that an arrow from deep, deep, deep down, you didn't even know was there, is making its way out. And it just needs to be popped out. And healing is there. Okay, I'm going to stop. Lunchtime. I can smell hash brown casserole. Love you guys. Bless you. If anybody wants prayer, I think we have a ministry team to come up and we'll pray for you. Otherwise, let's go eat. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of His presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.